Chris Brockman, I heard you once choked out two people at the same time, one skier and one snowboarder. Do you consider yourself a crossover instructor? I do because of that fact. Thank you for noticing. Hello, and welcome to the Snowmass Extreme Podcast. I am your host, Jason Hartman, but I'm better known as Tigger. El Tigre if you're speaking Spanish. This season I spoke with E. Smith Award winners about life in Snowmass Village. When did you move to Snowmass and why? I moved to Snowmass in permanently for the winter in 1988. I moved because I was a school teacher. I graduated college two years before that. I was a school teacher. I didn't have a job. My brother at the time was managing the Timber Moose Bar, which is where I worked. In fact, Eric Smith and Kevin Byfer, the reason I became an instructor. I was bartending and I was helping my friend Tiny, who's not tiny. <laughs> He's huge. And basically what I was doing is I was doing traverses. And I traversed it and I started doing garlands. And Byford and E. Smith saw me doing it. And they come up to me later, asked me, where did I learn how to teach people how to snowboard? I said, I didn't. I'm just making it up. This is exactly what I was doing. And they said, I should be an instructor. So then the next year, I tried out. Now, during the tryout, it was on Aspen Mountain. I was riding a 174 Burden Air with Euro stance. 174 with hard boots. So I get hired to make me ride switch and stuff. I, I pulled it off. So after I get hired, Eric Smith says to me, Hey, Brock, man, you got to get rid of that shitty gear, man. <laughs> so then I went out and I bought, that's the first time I bought soft boots and bindings. What year was that? 1994, and I was here when, when uh, Jason Beavers got arrested for ducking the rope. I was here. I saw the whole thing. That's a true story. I love it. It was awesome. I've heard a ton of stories about the timber mill and that Opry scene. You got a good one you could share? Back in the day, we used to get a huge amount of people from Louisiana that would come here to escape the Mardi Gras. And they created their own little Mardi Gras, and it became wild, out of control. Timber Mill, we sold every ounce of booze we had in this place, broke every single piece of furniture. People were hanging from the rafters. It was crazy, insane, just, 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 just nutty party. It was so funny. What's the craziest thing you've seen on the hill? Craziest thing I've ever seen on the hill was... I'm at the base of Elk Camp, and this uh, European dude comes coming down, big guy, and flying down. Directly after him were two other European dudes who, like, attacked him and started, like, hitting him with their skis and stuff because he ran into their child and took off. That's And, and there was, it was developed into, a, like, a thing that I had to kind of get involved with called Ski Patrol, and it was like a freaking fist fight. But there were the two dudes who were hitting this one dude with, with their skis. Like, we're hitting them with them. It was, in, it was insane. It was a, that was a while ago. It was a long time ago. So what I did was I immediately called patrol, and, like, everyone's looking at me to do something. I, I kind of try to get in the middle of it. I was getting hit by skis. But that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That was insane. I love it. That's a good I got one. another one. One time, this is two, two years ago, college kid coming down Fanny Hill at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wearing nothing but tidy whities and a hat. Comes down, 
lays it down. It's coming way too fast, hits the slush, it's in the spring, hits the slush, falls down, hip checks, slides, gets up. His He had a, a scrape from the top of his hip to the top of his boot. I could see corals of skin coming off. He was scraped so bad, he wasn't even bleeding. I look at him and I go, yo, man, are you all right? He looks at me. I'm fine. I don't even feel it. He was obviously drunk. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. So I said, all right, well, you're going to feel it later. So then I kind of do my thing. And I see this kid sitting at the bench down at the base right around noon. I'm going to lunch. Kid was obviously going into shock. He was pale. He was non-responsive. His pupils were fixed and dilated. I called patrol. They took him away. Same guy. Same guy. About two hours later, I saw him at first. The booze wore off. And I mean, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. You could see corals of skin hanging off. He goes, oh, I don't even feel it. I was like, you're going to. All of his friends left him, and he was going into shock. He was, he was I mean, that's, that's a lot of nerve endings. Yeah. And they took him away. It's patrol. That was, that was, that was insane. <laughs> because I saw the kid at first. He was drunk. I mean, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. He's hammered drunk. Wearing tidy whities And he shouldn't have been. Yeah. yeah. He was a little, a little shrinkage <laughs> going on because it's cold. Since moving to Snowmass, have you ever moved away and why? I move away every summer, but I come back here every winter. I've never been anyplace else in the winter but here. What do you do in the summer? I have a surf shop and I teach surfing in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. Nice. Why did you stay in Snowmass all these years? I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of friends and family here. Plus, I started being an instructor. Do you have a favorite memory at Snowmass? One of my favorite memories is when I was a bartender at the old timber mill, which is in this building. And I got to meet Pear and all the Norwegian dudes. And I really enjoyed those guys' company. Pear and Hendrick and all those guys are very cordial and really fun. And keeping in mind, you know, in the late 80s, when I first got here, early 90s, those dudes had already been here for 25 years, 30 years. So it was really fun getting to know those guys. And they're one of the reasons I became an instructor. How would you describe Snowmass to someone you've never met, but you want them to know how much the people and the place mean to you? Well, I, I start off with saying that everybody's family here, no matter if you're a visitor, and it's the best ski area in the world. There's no other one. I've been to many, and none of them compare. It is the best by far. Hello, listeners. Are you enjoying the Snowmass Extreme podcast? Would you like to hear more content just like this? Subscribe to the Snowmass Extreme podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends. Because it's a big-ass mountain, and there are free refills for everyone. Chris Brockman. Oh my god. Chris Brockman. Rocky. Chris Brockman. Oh, Brocky. Brocky. Brockman is another, another one of those snowboard instructors. He's He's got it together, the whole mind, body, spirit thing. Of course, you know, his favorite is teenagers who like to, you know, get in the park. But boy, I tell you what, I've seen him have, for such a tough Jersey guy, I've seen him have so much fun with little little five-year-olds at the meadows, you know, and they're looking at him like, you're the greatest person I've ever met, Brocky. And you're just like, how is he, how is he connecting with these little peewee kids? Must be a wonderful instructor. I love it that Chris Brockman is that park guy. He'll just always be found in the terrain park. 
and he's so good. <laughs> he just, yeah, he just keeps on going and he's, he's here almost every single day and he rides park for most of them. It's amazing. He is an awesome dude. He will ride park night, day, afternoon, morning, doesn't matter. That guy will crush some park. And if you take a park lap with him, you're going to remember it for life. I love Chris so much. <laughs> I love him. He's like, he's just, he cares so much. And like, that's the thing. You judge people by their actions and you actually watch what he's doing and actually check in with how he's making you feel. And for me, it's always been like, he's been so supportive of me, specifically as a woman, which I, I see myself as a woman, but I just see myself more as like a snowboarder, you know, but he's like, He's like, okay, girls, come on. We're going to get you. We, we're going to take care of you. Let's do this. And like, he's, when I was younger and going for my level three, like he really supported us. And something that is really funny about him, you know, if we're like, oh, my hands are cold or, oh, I'm cold. He's like, all right, give me your leg. I'm going to hit it. <laughs> and like, what's going to hurt more? Your leg being hit or your hands being cold? He never hit my leg. But I love that energy of like, you know, now we call it minimizing you know, minimizing pain, but I love how he just was like, yeah, your hands are cold, but come on guys, we got to just stick with this and keep going. And he doesn't talk like that, but the sentiment is there. And he's like, we, we're going to make, we're going to make it through this. And, and Natasha, you're, you're snowboarding pretty shitty right now. You can do better. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. How? And he's like, let me show you. Of course. I appreciate that because he told me and he helped me do better. How perfect is that? Not just like sitting on the sidelines going and be like, mm, she, she kind of sucks. <laughs> he was like, hey, come here. Look, look, those turns were not good. Let, let me show you how. Another guy that bleeds stomachs through his veins. This guy, he's like, Pete, um, yeah, uh, I've got to have a colonoscopy. I, got, I need one day off. <laughs> it's like a procedure, man. You don't eat. You, get, you go to the bathroom like crazy. I was like, he's going to probably need a, one, a few more days after that. Shows up the very next day like it was nothing and still takes out level nine teenagers for an all-day park lesson. And they love him. The guy just rocks. Uh, he is the Energizer Bunny, and he will keep going and going and going. And uh, when I see that guy, I know how much this job means to him. And that's part of the bonding that I have with him. Chris and I have also had a tumultuous relationship over the years, but I have nothing but respect for him. He is so good. He is good at the craft of snowboard instruction. Everything he does is meaningful with intention. And he knows how to connect, especially with children, but, but anyone. Let's be honest, if we didn't vote Brocky in that year, he was going to strangle everybody. <laughs> right? Probably starting with you. You know, Brocky took him a long time to win this. I think because he wore hard boots for the first five years. I just held him back a little bit in terms of riding. And then obviously elevated over the years, become one of our most solid uh, freestyle guys, coaching especially, you know. My God, I mean, how many hours is the guy... I, I wanted to say this. I think if we were to look at the Guinness Book of Records for number of days or hours teaching on a snowboard, I'm pretty sure Chris Brockman might have it. And you might think it'd be Ochko, but he's been skiing and Chris does not ski. I think someone should look at that. He should be in the Guinness Book of Records for the most hours of teaching on a snowboard. 
Uh, don't let him get his fingers into you or grab you by the arm. <laughs> Why not? Because uh, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rocky, you're awesome, dude. We love you. Uh, keep it real. You always keep it real. Uh, that guy threatened me the first time I met him. <laughs> we were out of lineup, and I've got an attitude problem. And, you know, that doesn't fly well with Brocky. And so I still remember it. We were out on that, uh, was it on, like, we were kind of over on the high traverse, like you go over to El Camp Gondola, but that wasn't there. And he just stopped, and he had a finger right in my chest and was telling me off for something. And it was like, oh, crap. You know, and it, it definitely messed with me a little bit, you know, but now, you know, we're, he's a great guy. I, I know where he's coming from now. And I understand why sometimes you got to put a finger in somebody's chest. Rockman taught me how to surf. That was four years ago, five years ago. I called up Rockman. He always offered the invite and uh, went to Stone Harbor and <laughs> just, I rolled up on Brockman at the beach and he looked up for me and it was, it was kind of, it's kind of surreal. It was, like Brockman and Stone Harbor is the exact same as he's in Aspen. Like the guy, everybody knows him. And he, it was like watching a composer compose a symphony. He, he was yelling at these little high school kids, getting his parents out of the way and just like running the surf shop slash school and it was it was amazing yeah so he took me out like was, i got there around 2 2 p.m we surfed for two hours and he I, he helped me catch my first wave uh and he's he's always just been a, a light of encouragement just pushing me forward and everything else um yeah sweet yeah brock you uh we've been friends i think ever since ever since we got here i got here anyway he's a great one uh amazing park rider uh, and, and a good trainer. I had him as a trainer when I was, he was one of my trainers. For some reason, I always ended up in his trainings. It was back before we could like pick. I'll just show up. One time I did a training with Rocky and he, he was like, Hey, listen, he's like, you know, whatever you do, don't get hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you do. Just don't get, you know, don't get hurt in my trainings. I said, okay, Rocky, I won't get hurt. Sorry. We were up in the woods. Uh, in between, we were up on Naked Lady somewhere like in the woods in between Naked Lady and I can't remember what the other run's called, but either way, we were, we were in the trees and, and there was a bunch of these, um, Cat tracks on the way down. And he told me, he said, hey, you, you know, be careful coming down through here. There's a bunch of cat tracks. And it was a low visibility kind of day, kind of crappy. And, you know, I definitely didn't do what he told me to do. I just shot down through these trees and literally fell off of like a 10 foot draw, like a fell of a 10 foot wall into a cat track. Pow. And bruised my ribs. And I felt them like they moved. You know what I mean? My ribs, ribs moved. And I was like, oh, God. And then pop, pop. You know, they moved back out. I was laying there and I could hear him coming. I was like, oh, my God, I'm in so much trouble. He's like, hey. Are you hurt? I was like, no, Brocky, no, I'm not hurt. He's like, are you sure? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm sick. <laughs> he was like, what? I was like, I'm sick, Brocky. I think I got to go home. He's like, all right, you know, go home. I was like, all right, see you later. <laughs> so I limped, I limped my way home, you know, snowboarded home, never said a word about it until today. And I think after I did that, I think I, you know, I think that earned Brocky's respect, which been, we've been homies ever since. <laughs> I love that, dude. I really do. Um, He's gone through a lot and man, he, he's out here day in, day out. Like that guy's, that guy's solid. That guy's like Oak.
I wonder, is there something that's similar between all of them, including yourself? Is there a thread uh, that puts them in that that place in the, uh, on that pedestal? I think it's several things. I think it's being a professional instructor. I think it's being part of the team. You know, being you know being part of it. You can be outside. You can still be an instructor here and be not part of the group. And there's not too many people who are. I think we're the kind of program that draws people in. You know, I really feel that. I think everyone is part of the, has been part of the team. I think everyone has always tried to never resting on their laws, but always trying to get better at their craft. As at, not just riding, but instructing. You know, that's a, that's what I see, and I feel like all those guys. Not all of them are trainers, you know, but all of them are really quality individual instructors. Every one of them. What does that E Smith Award mean to you? To me personally, it was a, it, I wasn't expecting it when I won it. And I figured I, was, I aged out. So I was, I was you know, I, I thought, you know, keep in mind when I won, I mean, I think that Eric had passed, had to be 15 years, you know. So I, you know, I was really surprised. It meant a lot to me because Eric was my mentor. Like he's the one who taught me pretty much everything that I knew about snowboarding. I rode, he hired me. I rode with him constantly. You know, one time he and Bifer were telling me I don't accept feedback well. And I was like, what are you talking about? But they told me from a different room. So, but you know what I mean? Those guys really changed the way I rode and the way I looked at the sport, the way I studied the sport. Mm. So, yeah. Eric Smith's the one when I started riding pipe, you know, and, he's, you know, and I started getting pretty good at it. He encouraged me to compete. And I did. Became What'd a 10-time national champion. Say that again? I'm a 10-time national champion in half pipe and slope style. Yeah. In my age division, which is old as dirt. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's fun talking with you because you never hold back. You never try to be someone else, and that is an admirable trait. Chris Brockman, you are one of a kind. If you like this show, please share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music is by Lonnie Betts and the Squeaky Sneaker Band. Until next time, stay healthy and be excellent to each other.